Good morning and welcome to San Diego First Church of the Nazarene. So good to be with you this morning. My name is Matt Wilson. I'm one of the pastors on staff. And yes, we are in the Family Life Center this morning, worshiping together. For this whole season of Lent, we will be in here on Sunday mornings at 1030. And so uh, get a little bit adjusted to the space. It's been three years since we have been worshiping in this space. We continue to have uh, candle tables off to your left and right where you can light a candle and pray uh, uh, to God, or pray on behalf of somebody in your life. This is just a symbol of uh, our prayers uh, as a congregation. At this time, I'd like to welcome up Dave James to read us our uh, scripture in preparation for our time of worship. Good morning, church. Isn't it nice to be warm? I didn't turn the heat on to my house because I've seen my SDG bill and watched my meter spin. So thank you for paying your tithe today, this morning, so we could have heat. This morning's scripture is found in Psalms 103, 6 through 14. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. Amen. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As the Father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everybody. If you're able to, let us stand together and sing of God's greatness with one another. Let's join with gladness of our hearts, giving praise to God who is worthy of it. Worship our King, come on. Come, let us worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He Our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God, you have 
Oh, we lift our praise to you, God. Amen. Give God praise and glory this morning. Oh, Lord, we are thankful for the blessings that you've gifted us with, the life that you have breathed inside of us. We sing of your faithfulness today, along with heaven and creation. Let's sing, you come. You come at the right time when I least expect it.
take a moment this morning and quiet our hearts and minds and bodies to relax into God's spirit and take a, to just take a moment to reflect on the last few days of our life. To take a moment to just quiet our hearts. We're going to pray this kind of ancient way of praying called the Ignatian Examine. And just for a few moments of silence, I'm going to ask a few questions of you to consider in reflecting on your week. Just take that time to reflect on what God might be moving in your spirit. I invite you to close your eyes, to briefly recall the major events of the last few days. Which interactions or moments stand out to you? In which ways have these past few days did you know of God's presence? How did God make his presence known to you? And thinking about the moments and events, are there moments or interactions in which God is calling you to make a change? God is calling you to apologize for, or anything that you need to address in the next few days to come. In recalling your week, for which moments are you most grateful?
Lord, we pray all of these moments, all of the things that we are anticipating you doing, not just in the next few days or weeks, but in the years to come in this congregation, in the places in which we inhabit the relationships that make up our lives. Lord, we pray that you would be at work guiding us and shaping us. That you would remind us to reflect on your goodness as well as the ways that you are calling us, calling us into a new future, a new way of thinking, different patterns of life. Lord, open our hearts and minds to where your spirit is leading us. We pray all of this in your name. Amen.
that is with us and fills us. We pray that we would be light and hope for the people around us. In Jesus' name we pray and sing. Amen. This is the time of our service where we get to not only inherit the peace of Christ, but also pass the peace of Christ to one another. So if you have not done this before, you say to one, may the peace of the Lord Christ be with you. And in return, you say, and also with you. You may go and pass the peace of Christ. Well, good morning, church. It's great to be with all of you today. Go ahead and say that last hello, goodbye, talk to you later. Head back to your seat. What a great Sunday it is again where we get the opportunity to come together once more and worship. Um, this is the point in our service where we get to dismiss our kids and our teens out to their Sunday school and Bible study programming that takes place during this hour. And as we dismiss them, we pray over them this prayer from Philippians. Um, if you'll read out loud with me, um, and if you feel comfortable, whatever posture of prayer works for you, but extend a hand or something over our kids, see it over in this section. Most of our teens kind of over in this area, I think, so whichever area you feel, uh, extend a hand and read out loud with me. This is my prayer for you, our children, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best. May you be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Amen. See you, kids. See you, teens. As they make their way out, I just want to make sure everyone is aware of some things happening in the life of our church. But more importantly, um, if you want additional updates to what happens here on a Sunday morning, you can scan the QR code that's right here on the front of your bulletin or on the slide up behind me, hopefully, I don't know. And uh, take your smartphone out, hover the camera app over that QR code, and it'll take you to a short link, uh, a link for a short Google form. You can fill that out with your contact information. We have a weekly email that goes out every Friday afternoon that has all the details, form links, all the good stuff uh, about 
things happening in the life of our church. So if you want to make sure that you get that email on Friday afternoons, um, you can scan this QR code, fill out that form with your contact information, and you will get. I'm not sure if Jake's scanning the form or taking a picture of me, so I'm going to pose just in case. Okay, great. Um, so make sure you fill out this form. You can also leave a prayer request or any other info that you want to make sure your church staff is aware of. We read those every week, prayer over you and our staff meetings. So this is a great form to use for anything that you want to get in contact with the church staff about. Um, this week is very exciting. We are resuming after Ash Wednesday last week our Adult U programming on Wednesday nights, and we have two classes that are meeting. Uh, first is the final class in our series that is uh, Practicing Grief Through Bonsai, being led by Dave Adie and Wendy Kessler. Uh, that's meeting over in the Bose Conference Room. That's off the foyer of the Ellipse. If you've been attending that class or you want to drop in for the last, sec last session, you're welcome to go and attend that. Happens from 6.30 to 8 this Wednesday. Also kicking off this Wednesday is our Season of Prayer Adult U series that happens um, during Lent each year. Year, and we have a different uh, topic of focus, a different leader uh, each Wednesday throughout Lent over uh, covering a different topic or type of prayer. And so Lent is a time where we invest in our prayer life. We get to uh, kind of reflect and expand our notion of what prayer might look like in our lives. And these Wednesday night classes are a perfect opportunity to uh, take part in that. And so that class will meet over in the fireside area in the Brown Chapel foyer, also from 630 to 8 this Wednesday night. So I invite you guys to be a part of that. Uh, we have a couple men's and women's ministry events coming up as well. Dee is leading off our uh, second annual men's croquet tournament. If you don't know, I mentioned last Sunday, Dee is a formerly internationally ranked uh, croquet player. I think he's in like the 200 or something, though, so like not, not that big of a deal. But it's pretty impressive to still be on the ranking. Uh, but he's also a great coach, and if you have ever played croquet with Dee before or want to learn how to play croquet with Dee, I invite you to come be a part of that tournament happening at Shelter Island on March 11th. So I invite all the men to come out and participate in that. And then for our women's ministry, save the day for in April, our spring tea is happening over in the uh, Ellipse Chapel. Uh, we have a special guest speaker for that, and the registration is now live. That online, uh, the registration cost is $25. So so if you can go online and register for that, if you plan on attending as soon as possible so we know how many to plan for, that would be wonderful. And uh, that's always a great event led by Shannon Heffernan over in the Ellipse for our, for our ladies. So I invite you all to be a part of that. And then lastly, I want to make sure any parents in the audience know about our next Parents' Night Out that's on the, on the calendar for March. Uh, we take care of the child care. You drop your kids off here at church. We'll feed them pizza, get them hopped up on sugar. And uh, y'all parents get to go out and enjoy a night together. Uh, no, we'll take really good care of them. We'll have some fun activities planned. Parents can drop your kids off here at church and then just enjoy uh, being able to spend some time with one another. So mark your calendars for that. And uh, online registration is also required for that event. So be sure to look in the weekly email or on our church website for the registration link for that event as well if you want to take part. At this time, we're going to continue in our worship service, and I'm going to invite Henry Hooper to come up and uh, read our scripture reading for this morning. Thanks, Emery. Thank you, Tyler, for the introduction. As he said, my name's Henry Hooper, and I'll be reading Psalm 32 today. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered, Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you, while you may be found. Surely the rising of mighty waters will not reach them. 
You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. The word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Dee, and what a privilege it is to be with you this morning. And um, I just want to acknowledge the awkwardness of trying to stake out territory in a new place when you're finding a seat. I mean, I know all of you have your prescribed places where you sit over in our other spot. And so I'm finding people that are in very different places. Like Becky Havens is not supposed to be to my right. She's supposed to be to my left. And so throws me way off here. Sharon, uh, you got close to where you normally are, but usually you're a little bit further to left there. So it's throwing me off as much as you. Um, it's so nice, though, to have all of you here in this uh, moment together as we embark on the Lenten season uh, together. I also want to just acknowledge that for me, there's, I don't know what to call it other than opening day jitters. I mean, this is the first Sunday of Lent in a facility we've not been in for three years for regular worship services and all the prep work that goes into getting something ready like that. And I have kind of the opening days, both the excitement and the anxiety and the uncertainty. Um, I, there's also, uh, there are memories that sometimes play into new moments that you drag out of the past. I remember the opening game my senior year in high school, basketball the jitters of the first game of the season. And in that first game of the season, the first time I was thrown the ball out of bounds into D. Kelly, first dribble off my foot, out of bounds. <laughs> A turnover. At least I made the stat sheet that night. So, so all of that is flooding back as if I'm going to dribble off my foot this morning as we try and open up this passage of scripture. But I do want to, before we dig in a little bit further, just acknowledge that uh, making a transition, it's a lot different second, third, fourth, fifth week of what we're doing here, but the first Sunday just um, takes a lot of work. And I just want to say thanks to an amazing staff that you as a church have, um, Rihanna and um, Lexi and Jordan, who are in other places doing work now. Matt and Tyler, who helped orchestrate all kinds of things to make this room look good. And then our um, crew of tech people with Tyler and Luke. And oh my goodness, the amount of work that Austin put in to getting us um, to a place where we could actually have music over here when all of the equipment is in another location. Your staff is just leaned into the middle and done a marvelous job to help us create a worshipful space for what we want to be our Lenten season together. So thank you. 
Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Tyler. Um, the Lenten season began for those who were able to join us um, Wednesday night of this past week with the Ash Wednesday service. There are certainly some here, and please don't feel like you're alone in this. There are a lot of us who are not raised with a Lenten season or an Ash Wednesday service, and so it kind of comes upon us, and it's almost as if we have to learn again something that's not been part of our upbringing. And others, this has been part of your life for as long as you can remember. The Lenten season is to be a time of preparation for what is the culmination of our Christian faith, Easter Sunday morning, and all that leads up to that preparation point. It is intended to remind us of Jesus's 40 days in the wilderness, the fast that Jesus had. We're supposed to be reminded of penitence and confession, um, realizing the ways in which we've been drawn from one way of thinking and invited into a new way of thinking. And part of that imagery comes on Ash Wednesday, when many of you had ashes applied to your forehead. It's a very interesting exercise to have that done. It feels very foreign. It feels a little awkward. It feels tough to have the ashes on your forehead and then go pick up a meal at a, at a um, restaurant or, or go to the grocery store and forget that you have that on and somebody just keeps looking up at the forehead or, and then you go, ah, yeah, that's up there. And then if somebody asks the words that you respond with, what do you say? But there's also something powerful in the storytelling, the storytelling of from dust you've come to dust you'll return. It's sometimes the language that is used when ashes are applied. And it is a reminder of the kingdom in which we live wherever in the world we live. We live under the rule of someone or some governmental structure or some way of being in this world. It is a kingdom of some sort, defined however you choose to define it. But we live in a kingdom that's dominated by life and then death. And so this notion of from dust you've come, to dust you'll return, is the recognition of this lifespan of the body that we're in and the culture that teaches us to live very specifically for the now. For me. Maybe for us. But only us because I'm a part of us. And that's how we're taught. The start of the Lenten season challenges that thinking right off the bat and says that the kingdom of God has initiated this nonviolent overthrow of the way things are. This movement 
that doesn't just consider now, but considers a storyline that's bigger than me. It's an overthrow that invites me to not just consider my interests, but actually to think a lot more about your interests. It is a kingdom that speaks about life through death. A death to self that a new life might be born that has a vision of the eternal. There is this marking of how we've been marked and we so often lose sight of how that just reels us in over and over again. The culture is so strong. It invites me to get what I deserve now. It invites me to live into the notion of being a consumer. It invites me to contribute to the local economy, the national economy, the world economy in particular ways for particular benefits of particular entities. And yet there is this invitation to something that is radically different. It doesn't pretend that those things doesn't exist. In fact, just the opposite. It proclaims they exist so that we might offer something that is truly life-giving not something that simply leads to dust and ashes again. And there are certain characteristics of this overthrow, this kingdom revolution. And one of those characteristics, actually a few of them, proclaimed in this Psalm 32. I I've fallen in love with this psalm. I just have read it and read it and read it again. And there are so many little pieces that just jump off the page to me. In fact, that's one of the things that happens with the Wednesday First Impressions um, online podcast that Matt helps put together. I, we get to talk about what's the first impression that comes to your mind. What jumps off the page to you? And there are many things that jump off the page to me. Right, right in the middle of the psalm, there is the um, phrase... In you, O Lord, is my hiding place. It's a great line. But it's not really natural for that to be true for us. Our sinfulness usually puts in a place where we are hiding from God. Maybe not literally hiding, but emotionally, spiritually, communicating. We take this posture where if we're going to engage God, we'll engage God on the things that we're really comfortable with, but there are a lot of other things, even though we might know full well, God knows all things, but that we hide from God. We find Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. It just seems crazy that they would think this, but after sinning, they hide from God. I think that's the natural thing to do. I don't know if they thought God couldn't find them, <laughs> but they didn't want to be found. 
Uh, maybe the truth was they wanted to be found. They just were afraid of what would happen when they got found. And they hid from God. And this is the story of all humanity. God seeks them out. Tenaciously. Determinedly. Like, like the hounds that go after those who are running through the forest. God just comes after us but with a gentleness and an invitation and grace waiting for us to turn around and acknowledge, yeah, here I, here I am. Our tendency is to hide. Not in God, but from God. So what's so powerful to me about this psalm is that the psalmist says, I find myself hiding in you, God. Something's changed. Something's different. And it seems that what has changed is that the psalmist has not only confessed and given up the secret game, but has realized God's forgiveness. And there we find one of the overthrow weapons of the new kingdom of God is forgiveness. So this psalm, it's often paired with Psalm 51. And there we have David writing a psalm um, in 51 uh, about the ways in which his sinfulness, he surrendered to God, and this kind of mirrors it. In fact, it almost feels like it's a follow-up psalm to 51, where in 51, it seems like David's right in the midst of the interaction, the hiding, the being found, the confessing, and talking about that. But here, it feels like there's this reflection on lessons I've learned, kind of. And so there are many who then try to make it very clear that the connection for David is the horrific incident with Bathsheba and her husband Uriah and the ways in which David lusted, committed adultery, then murder, and then cover up. I mean, it's just a mess. It's a horrible story. And it is natural to think, oh, and this is the psalm that comes out of the confrontation of the prophet Nathan, the confession, the forgiveness, David's repentance. Yes, yes, I'm sure, absolutely. I do think that one of the problems is that the characteristics of this psalm, I think we all would readily say, absolutely, let's apply this to our worst moment. But I invite you during this Lenten season to apply it to any unforgiven moment. Not the worst moment in your life. As several have often said, don't let the worst moment define someone else or you. But there are a lot of little moments that begin to define our walk. And I'd love for Psalm 32 to be a psalm that we apply to all the little moments, all of the ways in which we did something that causes us to take maybe just a step further away from, from the center of God's grace and holiness. And it's not far enough of a step that we, nobody's going to notice. And I, I don't know what 
you know, I, I don't know what God thinks about this, but because I don't know exactly what God thinks, I'll just maybe take another half step away on some other choice I made, one other thing that I did, something that I'm refusing to learn that I, that's a sensitive subject for me, that's difficult for me to step into, and I, or, or just a, the little snarky cynicism that, you know, has become characteristic of the journey of mine. I'm not pointing a finger anywhere. I hate when it becomes projection of my stuff onto a message, but it's there. Those moments, what if Psalm 32 got put into that spot? Where I hide from that hard conversation with God, with myself, with others. So let's take a look at this psalm through that lens as David tries to teach us a few things about the journey that David's been on. Blessed. There are some who say happy is instead of the word blessed. Blessed or happy is the person whose transgressions have been forgiven, whose sins have been covered, spoken by somebody who's received forgiveness and knows what it feels like. It feels like an undeserved blessing. Didn't earn it. Didn't figure it out on my own. Blessed or happy is the one whose sins the Lord is not counting against them and whose spirit we find no deceit. I love this line, in whose spirit we find no deceit, because I think sometimes we take forgiveness too lightly. Oh, God's forgiving, and we just move on. Oh, God covers all of that. Well, that then begins to betray a spirit where I'm deceiving myself about my confession. It's not confession with a desire to turn toward that which is good and righteous and holy. It's forgiveness that just allows me to get by and keep living. That's a spirit of deceit where I've received something, but pay no attention to what that something means. It's forgiveness. It's free. It's granted. Absolutely right. But the power of forgiveness is that it has the ability to open up the gateway toward a righteousness and a holiness that is a game changer. That shifts the way I see myself, how I see God, how I see you. So just as a reminder to you, David gives us this wonderful instruction of what it feels like to not be forgiven, to not have our sins covered. I remember when I kept my lips silent and I found that my bones started to waste away through my groanings day and night. David's saying when I hide it, it feels horrible. Your heavy hand is upon me and weighs me down. I feel my strength being sapped as if in the heat of summer. Powerful imagery. 
I'm exhausted. I'm worn out. Hiding takes energy. And there is this holding on to pain, resentment, hurt, anger, frustration that is probably not hurting anybody else unless they're dependent on your good work habits or your cheery attitude at, in the home. In that case, it might be hurting somebody else, but it's draining and exhausting to the person who's holding that. And so David is proclaiming, this is an exhausting pathway and it does no good. And so then David gives us a little more insight. He says, so, I decided, I confess my sin. I'm going to no longer hide my iniquity. I'm going to confess my transgressions and you, O oh Lord, you forgave the guilt of my sin. Rescue from guilt? Woo! That's a good feeling. Guilt is so heavy. Shame is so oppressive. And David invites us into a place where he says, and here is where the good stuff is. It's grace. It's confession that brings a freedom from guilt. And then there is this acknowledgement, a call to all of those who follow the Lord pray. He doesn't even go into detail what we're praying for. Just invites us into a space of prayer. Somehow in prayer, God does work, and I don't fully understand it. I mean, I know that there are wonderful tools for prayer. I love that we do some things concerning the discipline of prayer in our worship services. But unless our heart is in it and the Spirit's in it, it's an exercise. But as soon as that gets touched in a holy moment, whoa! So it's an invitation. Let's pray. Let's pray for one another. Let's pray for ourselves. Let's wrestle with these things. Because, it says in Psalm 32, when the floodwaters come, they won't sweep us away. They won't knock us flat. For in you, O Lord, I find my hiding place. And there in that hiding place, you protect me from trouble and you surround sound me with songs. Songs of deliverance. I didn't even know they had surround sound back then, but they did. Read it, it's right there. You surround me with songs. That's what it feels like when you move from hiding to receiving forgiveness. To confession that says, oh God, I cannot do this on my own. I'm sorry, I've tried. And I know that a lot of people might say, I didn't try hard enough. But I need you. I need your help. Forgive me. Help me to find you, not as the one from whom I hide, but in whom I hide. For I want to be embraced by your arms. I want to drink of grace. I want to dance the dance of forgiveness. I don't know how it's possible to forgive others until I have experienced what it means to be forgiven completely. And that's what's offered. The dance of the church is the dance of forgiveness. It's not the speech of now how you're supposed to live. 
Thanks be to God that you've invited God into your life for forgiveness. It's not now for me to preach at you of all the things you're doing wrong. It's to invite you into the dance of the church where we celebrate forgiveness. And that's what's so odd about this psalm, the first Sunday of Lent. We were talking about repentance and penitence and having the ashes on our forehead. I just feel like I'm slumping down. And it's so interesting that those who have invited us into this lectionary journey have placed Psalm 32 right here at the beginning because the message of forgiveness is the message of song and dance and hope and love and grace and anticipation and I can't wait. That's how we begin the Lenten season. Moving toward the celebration of how forgiveness is even possible. The resurrection. The voice of the psalmist then changes. It's almost as if the voice of God now takes over. And the voice of God says, I will teach you. I will instruct you. I will show you the way. I love this next line. I will be your counselor. And I will always have my loving eye on you. I think a lot of us, when we're hiding from God, are looking for the evil eye of God. <laughs> it says here, my loving eye is on you. I know where you are. I have been forgiving for all eternity. I want to invite you into the dance of forgiveness then I, I don't know if this is still God's voice or if it goes back to the voice of the author of the psalm. But it says, do not be like the mule and the horse who, who have no understanding, no idea where to go unless the bit and the bridle are put in their mouth and they're led to where they need to go. It's just a beautiful poetic way of saying, don't be stupid. <laughs> be forgiven. This is the way to go because this is the best you there ever was. This is the pathway to freedom and hope. This gets you beyond the limited view of the just now, the just me, just this place, and taps me into a storyline that's just bigger than I can imagine and a hope that's bigger than an eternity and a forgiveness and grace that I can't contain. Thank God I can't contain it because when I can't contain it, all I can do with it is forgive before you've even asked forgiveness. Grace before you know you even are receiving it. And I don't need to tell you that. I just need to live that way. For great are the problems of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds those who put their trust in God. I had the toughest time letting go of the things that I trust that aren't God. Top of that list is myself. And then there's all the backups to myself if myself doesn't work. And then it's, oh God, please bail me out because <laughs> I've trusted everything else. How much better if we begin with, I trust you, God, now help me to use what you've given me wisely. Always with the mindset that you're bigger than whatever it is I'm bringing to the table and I always need what you're bringing to the table first. 
And then the concluding verse that says, rejoice, be glad, be righteous, and sing. What a great way to end. Let me clarify, because the third one's going to trip you up. Be righteous. You do understand that the only reason we're righteous is because of what God has done, uh, done for us through Jesus Christ. We might say, oh, yeah, that person is one of the most righteous persons I know. Well, if that person hasn't received forgiveness, there's no righteousness. It might be a great person at doing what they do. But righteousness only comes as a free gift through what Jesus Christ has done. And our choice to receive forgiveness, that's righteousness. We are righteous because we have stepped into this powerful component of the kingdom of heaven. And invites us to create a community where this is a characteristic of who we are. Forgiven. And thus righteous. Ready to rejoice. Glad? Oh my goodness. Be glad. And singing songs in surround sound of all the goodness that God has done for us. What a song. So powerful. And I invite all of us to apply it to every little part of our journey. The big things get all the attention. But if we want a life that lives into this gladness and rejoicing and song, this hopefulness, then this stuff has to be applied in all the little daily pieces of life. So that the trajectory of our journey, instead of constantly missing the mark, which is very simply the definition of sin, missing the mark. It's an invitation to say, realign. Start pointing again to where that place of holiness is. Completeness, shalom, well-being that is imparted by God through Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, forgive me for finding 15 other pathways to take, for being patient with me as I walked down most all of them till the dead end, and loving me through all of it. And when I turn around, you are right there, arms wide open, forgiving and inviting me to learn the kingdom gift of forgiveness. Oh God, this morning, it may be that our spiritual journey needs to start again, again. <laughs> so Lord, I simply pray, forgive me for taking those tangential pathways. Sometimes it doesn't even feel like rebellion, but eventually my trust begins to land in other places. 
And I realize that the exhaustion is beginning to set in, the heaviness, the energy being drained. I know, Lord, that uh, this feels to me at least like an odd prayer at the beginning of the Lenten season, but restore to us your joy. Fill us with your hope. Lead us into your peace. And in the midst of that, Lord, teach us how to confess. Teach us how simple it is to say, I'm sorry. I messed up. I didn't think it through. I wasn't sensitive. I was preoccupied. I was attentive to my agenda, and I do that often. reflection and prayer time earlier in this service. Lord, hear our prayers. Thank you, David, for writing. Thank you, Lord, for teaching. May it not be ever by bit or bridle, but may it be that we are thirsty for that which is good, longing for your best, longing that we be our best. And so, Lord, we offer ourselves to you this morning. Be present among us. Give us a vision of your arms open wide and help us to find our hiding place in you. Amen. My God. 
may be weak, your spirit strong in me, my flesh may fail, my God you never will, I may be weak, your spirit strong in me, my flesh may fail, my God you never will, my God you song for us to end on. So good to be with you this morning. If you this morning was a particular moment of uh, epiphany or forgiveness and you just like to share it with somebody, please don't hesitate. Catch one of the staff members, somebody you trust. Share your story. I love that David shared his. And sometimes we need to find that safe space to tell our story. And I hope you might consider doing that. I'm going to offer a prayer of blessing for us. I'm going to ask, though, that for those of you who might be willing to help after the postlude is completed, 
Um, we have a PE class from the school that's in here tomorrow morning. And uh, chairs stacked off of the court, the side about eight, nine, or ten high would be great. Carpet squares that would be up here or around the platform would be wonderful. Not everybody has to do this, but if you've got somebody that's in your family that's busy talking and you have no one to talk to, <laughs> and it's a little awkward, just act like this was what you were assigned to do and uh, participate until it's time for you to go. We'll get it taken care of, but any help is appreciated. May God's grace pour over you. May you sense this morning a wonderful, fresh wind of forgiveness in your life. May it bathe you clean, pure in heart, peacemaker as God has called us all to be. May you become participants in this movement of the kingdom that is transformative. So go and be forgivers as you have been forgiven. God bless you. Have a great week.